Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. Sometimes life is good. Our homes are happy, our streets are safe, our communities are unified and everything goes right. Even the weather is on our side. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We call them uh, mountaintop experiences. But our season isn't always sunshine. Life isn't always milk and honey. Sometimes we find ourselves between the mountains we used to climb, in the ravine. We're walled in. It's a narrow place. It's dark. And from the nadir of the valley, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? And maybe you are in that ravine now. Maybe you're in that valley now. Maybe we are all in that ravine or valley now. With the, with the tightening of restrictions, the COVID season. We talk about the COVID season so much, it's almost become a bit of a cliche. But I'm not naive to think that just because we're in COVID now, it doesn't mean people haven't had struggles before, and it doesn't mean people won't have struggles in the future. I was just talking to someone recently who was part of a Bible study. And uh, in their Bible study, uh, they, were, they had a family, um, an African family who had only been in, the, uh, in Australia for a certain amount of years, just a short amount of time. And uh, this, this is a different church. And during the Bible study, you know, the group started talking about COVID and started talking about the restrictions and started talking about the isolation and started talking about all the challenges that arise and... Um, one member of this African family uh, stood up in the group and said, my whole time in Australia, that's how I've felt. My whole time in Australia, I've felt isolated from family. I've felt uh, isolated from social connection and isolated from my people. My whole time in Australia, I've felt out of place, different as if I'm walking around with a mask so I'm not naive to think that just because it's COVID now, it doesn't mean there haven't been struggles in the past and valleys in the past and ravines in the past. Perhaps the, the valley is uh, a, a tough situation uh, on the home front, a tough, tough situation in the work front, uh, a tough situation at school, uh, a tough situation uh, on your community soccer team. Ravines are sometimes a season of life. But what do we do when we find ourselves in the ravine? Uh, a season of my life I consider a ravine season was uh, 10 years ago when I moved to the Central Coast. I moved to the Central Coast at 17 years old. I moved 2,000 kilometres away from my hometown, following the call of God to volunteer with a music charity. I had direct entry into law in a university in Brisbane. I had direct entry into communications in a university at Brisbane, and I deferred both those courses because I knew God was calling me to come and volunteer as, at a music charity here on the Central Coast. And so at 17, I moved here 2,000 kilometres away 
away from home. I didn't have a car and all I'd saved up through high school was $2,000. And that I knew that if I rented a place for like $150 in like a granny flat, I knew that could last a certain amount of time, but I knew I needed a job pretty quick. And I found one and one morning, because I didn't have a car, it was raining and I needed to ride my push bike to my workplace. And so I got out an umbrella and I had this creative idea that I'd, I'd put up the umbrella and I would ride my bike holding the umbrella sort of down tilted just like this so that you know I would not get hit by the rain so that I could arrive to my workplace mind you in, in the pitch black five o'clock in the morning and every time the bike would speed up the, the umbrella would catch and it would flick behind me and the umbrella would turn inside out. And I remember this morning feeling so weary, feeling so like just absolute dread. It was a ravine. I was like, God, did you call me here to this? And I remember I didn't earn much money in that job and where I was riding was to a workplace as a cleaner. And uh, so I got off my bike, I'm drenched, and I, now I have to clean, uh, clean some office buildings in Erina, and I have, to, uh, I have to clean 30 toilets. When I first moved here at 17 years old to live and to be able to volunteer for a music charity, I used to clean 30 toilets every morning. Not that there's wrong with uh, the op- occupation of being a cleaner, it's a beautiful occupation, but, you know, it was a ravine because it was like, God, you called me here to clean 30 toilets every morning, drenching wet, in the cold, no car, really low salary. (laughs) But it felt good at the time as a 17-year-old, to be totally honest. And I'm cleaning and I'm clean. I wake up and I'm I'm cleaning at five o'clock in the morning, four hours every weekday. And I'm cleaning and it just felt like such a ravine. I felt so out of place. I didn't know anyone on the coast. I didn't know anything. And here I am cleaning. But God taught me some things through that season. And uh, I want to talk about uh, 1 Kings 17 today. And uh, I love preaching from Elisha and Elijah. Uh, I think those stories have gone out of fashion. So sometimes when I preach them, people haven't heard the stories for a very long time. And before I, I tell you the Bible story, I want to give you the setting. Israel is at its worst point in history. King Ahab is in reign. And the Bible says that King Ahab was worse than all the kings before him. This was Israel. It was meant to be God's people. And God's people are reigned and ruled by an evil king. He's the worst king of all. Now, kings did things like murder. They did things like, you know sacrifice of other living people and th- kings did things like they 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 run through cities they they stole and they 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 did horrible things to women the kings did awful horrible things but it says that king ahab was worse than all the kings before him king ahab in israel even set up in samaria uh, temples to baal temples to other god it was like it was like this king of israel was spitting in the very face of god and so god calls a prophet elisha and we read this in 1 kings 17 now Elijah, sorry, I said Elijah before. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, 
there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens bought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So Elijah approaches King Ahab. And King Ahab and Israel, well, they've been bad. They have been naughty. And so God raises up Elijah to come and confront the king. And he says, hey, king, you've been bad. There's not going to be any rain. There's not going to be any dew until I pray for it to happen again, until I say. Now, of course, the king gets quite angry and probably wants to kill this Elijah who's come and confronted him. So God instructs Elijah, you're going to have to run away. And you're going to have to hide in a ravine, in the Kerith ravine. I've called this message Ravens in the Ravine. I did consider for a little while as a 90s kid calling it That's So Raven. And that was perhaps a better title. But for now, it is called Ravens in the Ravine. Verse 1, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord of God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Uh, this is a, <laughs> going to be a bad season. There's going to be drought. There's going to be cattle dying. There's going to be crops dying. Uh, I think every, every day at 11 a.m., uh, I'm pretty sure the Premier of Samaria probably gets up on the TV and probably says, oh, no, we have 111 new cases of thirst, people dying of thirst today. Check in tomorrow. And then the reporter says, oh, Premier, 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 I've got a question. I've got a question, Premier. You know, why didn't we do something sooner? And then the Premier says, well, we're following the very best prophetic advice from Elijah, and he says it's not going to rain for the next until he says. And so you can imagine the season that they're in. And obviously the king gets very angry, and Ahab gets very angry, and Elijah has to, has to retreat and flee. And so the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kerith ravine. Now, the definition of a ravine is a very deep gorge with high, steep cliff walls. It's already a pretty narrow, dark, terrible, scary place. But as you looked into it further, the word Kerith, the Kerith ravine, the word Kerith means a cutting or a separation. This is a cut off place. This is a separated place. Have you ever felt like you are in a cut off place? Have you ever felt like you're in a separated situation, an isolated situation? Perhaps you're feeling it this week. Uh, working from home is a, both a blessing and a curse. Uh, the pastoral staff over the last few weeks have been working from home. And although it's great to have Zoom meetings and although it's great to have all these, you know, different amazing things, 
It still feels isolated. It still feels cut off. It still feels separated. It feels like a careth ravine. F.B. Meyer, the theologian and uh, Bible commentator, uh, referred to the careth ravine as follows. He says, it's the careth of the sick chamber, or the careth of disappointed hopes, or the careth of bereavement, or in some solitude from which the crowds have ebbed away. Perhaps you feel like you're in a careth ravine right now. Not able to go to work, working from home, getting sick of computer screens, children screaming about school online. Maybe you're feeling tensions in your family, tensions in your relationships, tensions, 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 separation. Perhaps you've lost a loved one during this time and it means that you can't bid them farewell in the way that you would like to bid them farewell. Perhaps a wedding has been cancelled or (laughs) or at least your invite has been cancelled because they can only do it with a few people. Perhaps your uh, party, birthday party has been cancelled. Perhaps all these things that they hurt. Perhaps you feel like you're in a careth ravine. Perhaps it's got nothing to do with that. Perhaps you're always fighting with your boss. And every time, maybe, the, maybe isolation's a good thing for you because when isolation ends, you have to go back to your workplace and fight with your boss again. And actually, when you're at work, it feels like a careth ravine. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. I can just imagine... You know, Elijah listening to God, you know, he's, he's in his devotion, he's in his prayer spot. And God says, oh, you know, in the, in the ravine, you will drink from the brook. And, you know, you can imagine Elijah, he's like, okay, that, that makes a little bit of sense. I'll, I'll, I'll pack a sippy cup. And then he says, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. I can imagine being Elijah like, wait, did you say ravens? <laughs> what? What? But God, please explain. Did you say ravens? I think I have a picture of a raven here. It's not the most beautiful bird. <laughs> and it's a, it's a bird. I mean, you know, if God had said, I'm going to get the eagles to supply you with food or the doves to supply you with food, yeah, they're a bit more of a majestic animal. But there's still a bird, a bird supplying you with food. I mean, have you seen how birds feed their young? I mean, they eat it and then they regurgitate it. I mean, raven, God, are you... I looked up some interesting facts about ravens. Do you know the collective noun for a group of ravens is an unkindness? Literally, that's the collective noun. An unkindness of ravens. In mythology, ravens represent bad luck, trickery, witches, and death. They are literally on the list of God's unclean animals in the book of the law. They're literally an unclean animal by Law, and so you can imagine Elijah's going. You're going to get the un, you're going to get an unclean animal to provide for me. You're going to get a a, a a bird that's known for being unkind to provide for me. Is it possible that God's goodness can come from the most unlikely sources? Maybe the ravens that you perceive to be circling you. And not there to pick at (laughs) your dead carcass, but to provide for you. I do think 
uh, goodness can come through the most unlikely sources. Uh, even though uh, I, I, you know, hated being a cleaner when I first moved here, some good things were provided. Uh, a little while into the job, I got to take the, the, the staff car home. It was a very, very old ute. It was, uh, it was so old it had the gear stick on like the, uh, behind the steering wheel. I don't know, even know what that's called. I'm not a car guy, but this is where the, the... It was the first time I've ever run a red light when the bros took me to teach me how to drive with the gears, you know, behind the steering wheel. And we're sitting at the, the you know, the air and the big cross section up the hill, and I'm freaking out because it's a hill start and the gears are on the thing. And by the time I actually got the gears to work, the light had already gone red and I just fang it through the red lights. The boss is sitting in the next seat. He was a Christian. He was speaking in tongues. He didn't know what to do. God save us. You know, this old ute, which I got to take home and drive around in (laughs) with trash cans in the back. It was filthy. It was dirty and it was hard to drive. It was provision. God can provide in the most unlikely of ways. I never want my preconceived ideas to inhibit my ability to receive. Elijah could have looked at the ravens and gone, they're unclean, I'm not eating from them. Those those ravens are unclean, can't do anything good for me. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever sounded like that. These politicians are awful. They could never do anything good for me. This preacher's awful. He's too young. He doesn't have enough experience. Oh, this worship. There's, where are the drums? There's no drums. They're doing it from home. Where are the, This worship can't do anything good. I don't know if you've ever sounded like that, but I certainly have. But I never want my preconceived ideas to inhibit my ability to receive. So he did what the Lord said to him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. I want to talk about how in the ravine you can find the bread, the meat and the brook. The ravens brought him bread. Bread has always been a sign of provision. Miguel D. Cervantes Savada said, a quote as follows, all sorrows are less with bread. Now you would think with a name like that, he could come up with something just a little bit more poetic but perhaps he couldn't come up with anything more profound. In the wilderness, we read how the the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they were provided with manna from heaven, bread on the ground every morning. It was God's provision. And when Jesus teaches us to pray in the New Testament, he teaches us to pray for our daily bread. And when I think of uh, praying for daily bread, uh, I I think of praying for God's provision for exactly what I need to get me through today. Exactly what I need to get me through today. I believe that God provides exactly what we need to get us through 
today. You know, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, makes $321 million a day. That is a lot of money. He makes it every day. But we don't get to pray for that. We get to pray for bread. (laughs) And if you're lucky, it'll be brioche because I love a bacon and egg roll on brioche. The Bible doesn't promise us, you know, some people talk about prosperity gospel. The Bible doesn't promise you a mansion. He doesn't promise you a BMW. He doesn't promise you a Mercedes. You know what he does promise he'll provide for you? He promises he'll provide daily bread. Exactly what you need to get you through today. I genuinely believe that in this season and every difficult season of my life, God has provided me exactly what I need. My job as a cleaner, yes, it was a struggle. Yes, it was awful. But I tell you what, that four hours, that four hours a day every week, day cleaning toilets cleaning people looking at me like I'm uh, nothing because I was cleaning office buildings where a lot of you know what do you call those types of people oh yeah jerks where a lot of jerks worked and they look at you different because you're a cleaner and you know it's like but my goodness did I get my daily bread or me gory noodles because they were about 90 cents a packet And it provided for me. And it meant I could do my work as a volunteer in a music charity. I was looking through photos in my camera roll. And uh, I was, (laughs) throughout my time as a cleaner, I didn't bring any with me, but I used to take photos of myself because I used to be like, I want to remember where I came from, as cliche, cliche as that sounds. And I was looking at the photos, like, on either side. And I was thinking, I was just looking at them, and I was thinking to myself, wow. On one side of these photos as a cleaner, I'm, I'm volunteering at a, at a, a camp for uh, kids and youth who are amputees and running music workshops. And on the other side of these photos, I'm, I'm at, uh, running music courses uh, with kids who live in Gosford who literally live on the street. That ravine of cleaning, that season of my life, It provided me daily bread so that I could do the good work that God had called me to. Jesus says, my bread is to do the will of my Father who sent me. God will provide for you exactly what you need to be able to fulfill his will for your life. And I believe that now, even during COVID. Take heart. You sitting at home, take heart God will provide for you what you need. Including patience for your kids as they're doing home learning. (laughs) God has provided for me every day of my life. And uh, I I echo the words of Paul in Philippians 4.11. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be living on migor and noodles. Uh, and, and, and whatever, and cleaning. And I know what it is to have plenty. I'm in a really uh, blessed season of my life right now. I have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The bread, the meat. Meat has, throughout the Bible, been as a, a, a symbol of grace and a symbol of deep and true 
revelation. <laughs> the ravens brought him meat in the morning. I can just imagine a raven flying in with a fancy plate. Did someone order the filet mignon, uh, medium rare, Elijah sitting here? Oh, yeah, that was me. The raven flies down, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, cloth over his arm and brings the plate down. And Elijah's like, oh, this is a little bit uh, well done for my tasting. Can you take it back to the chef for me? I think it was a little bit more of a struggle than that. I mean, first of all, I'd be asking, what animal did this meat come from, Mr. Raven? The raven just looks back at him and says, nevermore, and flies off, because apparently that's all ravens know how to say. In Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, we, I don't have time to get into these verses and unpack them for sure, but, you know, the author of Hebrews writes, you know, uh, you're living off milk like babies. You're living off milk like babies. And he, he, he says, but, I, I, you know, I want to teach you the meat of the word. I want to teach you the meat of righteousness. I want to teach you the meat of grace. But you're not ready for it because you're like babies. You need your milk. You need your easy teaching. But the author is saying, I want to give you meat. And in the context of those scriptures, the meat is, the milk is the law. And that's easy to follow. You know, I'll give you the rules. And you say, you follow the rules or whatever. That's the milk. That's easy. That's an easy way to understand God. That's sort of the Jewish perception of God. That's sort of the Muslim perception of God. That's sort of the, you know, it's easy. Just give me the, give me the five rules and I'll follow them. But the meat of the word, the meat of God's revelation is grace. Where it's not about what we do, it's all about what God does. It's all about his goodness, his grace. Elijah, these verses are the first time we meet Elijah. God wanted to teach Elijah some hard lessons in the ravine. He wanted to teach him some meat so that when he was going about doing his ministry, he could remember back to the ravine and go, you know what, in the ravine I learned some lessons. I learned that God was always going to provide for me. I learned that God wasn't just going to give me bread, he was going to give me meat. I learned that even the ravens, the unclean animals would provide. Profound lessons can be learnt in the ravine. And I know that revelation comes in tricky situations. I know that revelation comes in ravines because even the book of Revelation in the Bible, the last book of the Bible called Revelation was written when the author was in prison. Revelation can come in a prison circumstance. If you want milk, you'll find it in the comfort of the promised land. If you want meat... You need sacrifice. You know, in um, Aboriginal culture, our First Nations people, when you turn 10 to 16, there's a rite of passage called walkabout. It's a traditional transition into manhood. When a boy becomes a man and is sent out to live in the wilderness for six months, where he'll learn the spiritual meaning of manhood. For centuries, this notion that wisdom and profound revelation, spiritual revelation and, and manhood, you know, adulthood, maturity can be found in hard places, can be found in the wilderness, can be found in the ravine. Elisha learnt God's grace and God's goodness even in the midst of his ravine when the whole world had turned sour, 
the God's own people turned against God, worshipping a different God, the worst king in history. Elijah learnt God's grace. By God's grace and mercy, he said, Elijah, I'm going to look after you. And even on the wings of something evil, I think I've got a picture of a wingspan of a, of a raven here, a black raven, a wingspan. Um, even on the wings of an unclean animal comes grace and provision and revelation. And as Christians, we believe that our grace, our provision, our revelation comes on the wings of an unclean cross. Grace takes sacrifice. And Jesus sacrificed himself for us that we might receive this grace. When we fully understand the revelation of the cross, which was dark and horrific and unclean, just like the wings of a raven, we come to understand Grace. It's in ravines that we can relate to our Saviour, whose, whose death felt like a ravine. You know, we read in Romans, we glory in our sufferings, because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. There is meat of revelation in our sufferings. And finally, the brook. And he drank from the brook. In John 7, Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me and drink. And it goes on to say, bellies of living water will flow from him. And it goes on to say that Jesus is talking about the spirit which, will, which God will send to the earth. How is your walk with the Spirit? Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Are you thirsty during lockdown? Are you spiritually thirsty? Are you thirsty for a drink? Jesus says, come to me and you will find the Spirit and bellies of living water will flow out from you. Maybe during this Ravine season, we can go to God and for a drink. Oh, how do we, how do we, how do we do that? You know, you, obviously through prayer, obviously through reading your Bible, um, but more than that, I think it's just spending time and living in and with the Spirit. It's like an unceasing prayer, knowing God is always with you. Just spending time with Him. It was awesome. When I was cleaning, I reckon it was the most spiritual time of my entire life because I had four hours to myself every morning and I used to put my headphones in and I would clean and, and I would listen to, uh, to, to sermons and preaching and I'd be, I'd be doing my cleaning with the Spirit beside me. 
You know, on the topic of, you know, Revelation before, I used to listen to three Stephen Furtick sermons every morning. Now, love Stephen Furtick. I hate Stephen Furtick. I don't care what you think. But I used to fill my head with stories of uh, biblical stories, sermons, whatever. I listened to all his sermons from when Stephen Furtick, who pastors one of the biggest churches in America, I listened to all his sermons from when his church was just 40 to 120 people, all the way to it being 15,000 people. And I caught while listening to these sermons, holy cow, God can move. And so I'd be filling my head with revelation. I'd be filling my head with grace. I'd be filling my head with knowledge. I'd be walking with the God. You know, Bible reading and prayer is great, but I want you to spend God, time with God all the time. Now, I'm a single man, but I'm imagining that the way to get a girlfriend is not just by giving them 10 minutes of attention every day. I imagine that a relationship is probably ongoing. I imagine it's probably all the time. I wonder how, how, how do people in relationships not run out of things to talk about? I, I, I imagine you can't just give them 10 minutes. You've got to walk with God all the time, unceasing prayer. I, I love Christians, and I reckon, I reckon I can tell a real mature Christian when they have jokes with God, when like God tells them jokes, they tell God jokes. I just remember one time as a cleaner, I was carrying bags of trash. I hated this job because sometimes in certain places, rats would get into the building, eat through the bag. So as you'd picked up the bag, bin juices would go out the bottom of the bag. You had to place them in a new bag. You're filthy, you're dirty. One time I remember, I'm, I'm angry. I'm carrying these bags out to the, the bin, the, you know, the big dumpster. And God, as clear as day, just he jokes around with me and he says, Lewis, you're called to take out the trash. And I remember this moment of frustration, laughing, like, that's a funny joke, God. But I remember that clear as day, and I remember laughing, and I hold true to that. I believe that I'm called to take out the trash. Uh, when I see things in the church that I'm not happy with, or systems in the Western church that I don't think, that I think are trash, that are causing pain and grief, I reckon I'm called to take those things out. That's the way I do a ministry. That's the way I run this youth group, taking out the trash. And by trash, I mean uh, systems and ideologies that hold people back and hold people down and cause people pain. Come for a drink. Spend time with God. Spend time with God. Come for a drink. There's bread, there's meat, and there's the brook. We are in the ravine but there are ravens in the ravine. There is revelation in the ravine. There is revival in the ravine. There is reconciliation in the ravine. There is renewal in the ravine. I really, really, really genuinely believe that. When I came to God, when I came to the goodness of God, I found his goodness. Uh, there is no better spirit to drink from. And this is coming from a guy who's got a Lagavulin 16 year on his shelf. The Holy Spirit is the best spirit you will ever taste. I tell you what, it has changed my life. It has empowered me. It has given me purpose. It has given me meaning. It gave me purpose and meaning when I was a cleaner and it's given me purpose and meaning as a pastor. Oh, in every season, I have found the bread, the meat, and the brook. In every season, God has provided. And I believe he will do the same for you. And this isn't some self-help talk where I'm saying, hey, God's going to provide for you all your needs. Just say your incantations in the morning. I'm blessed and God will provide for me. I'm blessed and God will provide. No, this isn't about us. It's about him. He provides. Take him at his word. But you might be sitting there 
And you might be saying, Lewis, I'm in a good season. You're, you're preaching to the choir. I'm an introvert, so I love lockdown. My family life is great, and my kids are all A-grade students, and they're sitting at home, and I just leave them be, and they do their work. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. You don't need to tell me all this. I already know it. For you, I'd like to tell the story of the Burgomaster. And uh, for this story, I might get some background music, if it works. It may not. <laughs> the story of the Burgomaster. The Burgomaster, the Burgomaster is the German word for mayor. The Burgomaster. There's a family sitting at home. It's a broken family. It's just a mother and a child. The dad has left and they're in a small German town in the middle of winter. It's snowy and, and uh, they don't have anyone to provide for them. And uh, the mum reads the son the story from 1 Kings 17, the story of the ravens. And upon hearing the story of the raven, the child is excited. I know that your, your children are now learning the story. We sent out packs and they're learning. Maybe they're excited by this idea that ravens could drop off food. And, it, and the child's excited and he says to his mum, his broken down mum, his hungry mum, he says, oh, please mum, can we just leave the door open of our little unit? Can we just leave the door open tonight that the ravens might fly in and provide for us? Can we please leave the door open that the ravens might come in and provide for us? So the mum gives in and decides, okay, tonight for you, son, we'll leave the door open. Now on this particular night, the burgomaster of the town, the mayor of the town happens to be going for a walk. And he walks uh, down the street and he notices a door open in the middle of winter. It's freezing cold. And things, uh, okay, I'm going to go knock on the door and inquire. So he walks over and he peers around. The door's open. The son's already gone to bed, but the mum's sitting there and he calls out. Why is your door open? It's freezing. And the mum recounts the story, how they'd read about 1 Kings 17 and how the boy wanted to leave the door open for the ravens. And the burgomaster resolves within himself, I will be this boy's raven. If you are in a good season, maybe you are called to be a raven for someone else. And yeah, ravens are unclean and we're all broken and we all make mistakes. <laughs> but God can even use unclean things to provide for others just like he used the ravens. So I challenge you and encourage you, if you're in a tough season, God can provide all your needs. And if you're in a good season, you are called to be a raven for others. I encourage you. I've been so in, impressed by people, you know, sharing that thing on Facebook about, you know, like if you're in need, I won't ask any questions, but I'll provide for you. I've been, I love people sharing that on Facebook. Maybe you've seen it being shared out. People are just like, hey, if, you, if you're in need, make sure you contact me. I won't mention it. And I Nothing needs to be said. And, and I want our church to be people that know, hey, this church is full of people who can provide for your needs. If you're in need, you can contact this church right now, right today. Send us an email, send us a private message. We'll provide for you. And, if, you know, we, we provide for families in need. And, and there's lots of people in this church who provide for others. Perhaps we need to resolve within ourselves: we are that raven. Uh, in closing, 
Upon preparation of this sermon, I consulted my Lutheran study Bible, which I received as a gift because Christians are really creative when it comes to gift giving. And uh, (laughs) we give Bibles for everything. So I don't even remember why I got this gift for. I was studying the Lutheran study Bible. I found a Lutheran take on this passage. And uh, some passages, you get a prayer. And so this is what my Lutheran study Bible had to say about 1 Kings 17 to close. And then we're going to go to worship. Having predicted a drought to Ahab, the great prophet Elijah goes to the brook Cherith, where the Lord has ravens miraculously provide for him. In a wicked, harsh and hostile world, God watches over those who are his. No matter how much everything may seem against us, the Lord is with us, a haven of everlasting love. And it ends with this prayer, and may I pray it over us. Heavenly Father, when all seems lost, remind us that you did not withhold your only Son from us. In Jesus, the bread of life, you will give us all we need for this world and for the life to come. Uplift us with assurance of your love and protection in Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you, church.